Good morning and a very warm welcome to our podcast and phone service for today, Sunday the 3rd of July and we're coming live from Drung Church where we were finishing our series in Revelation uh, or this chunk of Revelation, we reached the end of Revelation chapter 7 and we were asking that question, who can stand, who will be able to stand in the face of God's judgment and we wonderfully get the answer in the passage today so I'll hand over to that service now. We're going to begin with this great hymn, To God Be the Glory. It reminds us of uh, what Jesus has done for us. He's the Lamb who was slain, and the first verse tells us he opened the life gate that all may go in. Let's remain standing to sing 373, To God Be the Glory.
is do these two things. And if you've got the green service card, we're going to join together in the collect for purity, asking for God's help as we prepare for Holy Communion. Together we pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom the secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love on you and worthily magnify your communion through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we prepare for Holy Communion, we examine ourselves by hearing the Ten Commandments and taking them to heart. So listen to what God says. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make yourself any idol. You shall not dishonor the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. Lord, have mercy upon us and write me your laws in our hearts. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not be a false witness, you shall not covet anything which belongs to your neighbor. Lord, have mercy upon us, and write these your laws in our hearts. And they collect the special prayer for this Sunday. Lord, you have taught us that all our doings without love are nothing worth. Send your Holy Spirit, and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of love, the true bond of peace, and of all virtues, without which your latest is counted dead before you. Grant this for your only Son, Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Would you like to remain seated for our first final reading? It's inside the service sheet, Revelation chapter 7 and verses 1 to 8. And children, I'd like you to count how many times you hear the number 4 in this reading. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many is it? What did you get? Yeah. Four times we heard the number four in that reading, and we'll be thinking more about that reading in a moment. Well, the children now going to lead us, some of the children from Sunday school are going to lead us, some going to pray the Lord's Prayer, we're going to pray it all together, and then some of the children from our fifth class are going to lead us in our prayers. So let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
We look forward to the summer and pray that it will be a time of fun and relaxation. Thank you for the school and Sunday school term gone by and all that we have learned. Help us to grow up good and be kind to others. Amen. Amen. Merciful Father, please forgive us, Father, for all the times we have done things and said things that hurt you and other people. We recognise our fault and know that we have sinned. It is our prayer that your spirit will be working in our hearts and that we will live a life pleasing you. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we pray for all those parts of the world where there is conflict, particularly Ukraine at the moment. We remember especially those who have had to flee their homes because of this war. We hope that the families that have come to Ireland are settling in as well as they can in the circumstances. Closer to home, we remember in prayer all those known to us who are sick, having treatment, are lonely, or feeling anxious about anything. Draw near to them at this time. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much uh, to Sunday School for leading us in our prayers this morning. And thank you again to, to your leaders. So it's Revelation 7 and verses 9 to 17. After this, I looked, <clears throat> and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and languages and peoples, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, before we look at those verses together, let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed on page 2. Together we say, <clears throat> I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, 
the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please do be seated. And let's pray. He shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. Uh, we've just said this together and we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we think about that day, we would rejoice in the news that we hear today. Please help us to understand your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I recently watched uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, um, the film, uh, and it was for the benefit of the children, obviously, but uh, I did enjoy it. Um, uh, and there's a little bit in, in, the, in the, I can't remember if it was one or two, I think it was the second one, and he, he gets into a bit of trouble. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar un with Sonic, he's a blue hedgehog, okay, a very fast hedgehog. He gets into a bit of trouble in a pub. He, he can talk, he goes to a pub with the man that he's with, and he ends up in, a, in America causing a huge fight in this bar full of bikers and he's just about to be strangled there's a, a, an enormous biker covered in tattoos and he's coming towards sonic and his arms he's about to strangle him and conic sonic not conic sonic just stands there cool as cucumber and simply says really and shoots off because he's so fast that man doesn't stand a chance. But, but because he's so fast, everything then goes into slow motion and the voices slow down and the man's stuck in this pose as Sonic runs around the bar doing some funny things such as putting hats on people, eating hot dogs, covering someone in, in toilet roll to make them look like a mummy and uh, then getting the bear, the head of a bear that was on the wall and putting it on this biker who was coming towards him to strangle him and then click and everything goes back to normal time. Sonic is out of the way and the man who is about to strangle him runs through a window wearing this bare hat. And it's, it's, it's funny and strange. Well, it's a little bit like that in Revelation chapter 7. No hedgehogs, but everything goes into slow motion. Because last week we saw in Revelation chapter 6 the opening of the seals. Remember this scroll that represents God's final plan for humanity, his plan to rescue his people and to judge the world, to rid it of evil. And we saw how the seals are opened and, and the judgment that we see on the earth at the moment, the judgment of God that is awful. And we were left with the question at the end of chapter 6, who can stand? 
Do you remember the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free? They were, they were trying to hide and calling on the mountains and the rocks to, to cover them. And they said at the end of Revelation chapter 6, to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? Who can stand? Before we look at the answer, just, just a little note on the wrath of, of Jesus, because sometimes we can get a bit confused and we think, why is he angry? His anger is not like ours. We, we, we sometimes lose our tempers, don't we? And uh, we, we might blow up in a, in a wrong way. But Jesus' anger is his settled, controlled hostility to all that is evil. It's a little bit like the anger that you might feel when you see the shootings in a school in America or when you see people losing their lives in Ukraine or when you see bullying that leads to the death of someone like Eden Heaslip. And there's a right anger, isn't there, that bubbles up inside of you. There's a right anger. And the anger of Jesus is, is more like that. But remember, our, our, our emotions, our, our knowledge is limited Jesus is all-seeing, he sees everything. How much more angry is he at the evil in this world? But it's not just the evil out there, it's the evil in here as well. He, he knows how we treat one another, he knows what we think of him. Uh, he knows what we've done with him and how we respond to him. And so in, in the light of that, who can stand on that day of judgment? Who can stand when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead? How can anyone stand? Well, Revelation 7 has good news because we're told of a great multitude in verse 9. A great multitude who are standing. Did you see them in verse 9 at the beginning of the second reading? After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. There's a great number who are going to be standing on that last day. He has done it. But who are they? And why can they stand? Well, in this chapter, chapter 7, it's, it's like everything goes into slow motion as we see God's people being marked out. In amongst all of the judgment, God is marking his people out. Have a look at the beginning of the reading, chapter 7, verse 1. We see, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth, or sea, or against any tree. This number four is special. When it talks about the four corners of the earth, it's not saying the world is flat. It's simply saying the whole earth. The whole earth. All of it. Universal. So before uh, this judgment comes, it's held back. So the four winds, they represent the judgment of God and it's being held back. It's the calm before the storm. The wind, the judgment of God is held back. And, and the next angel tells us why in verse 3. He says, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. God's judgment is deliberately delayed until all of his servants are sealed, are marked as his. The seal is a mark of ownership, isn't it? 
It's a bit like you might put the, the tag in the, in, the, in the calf's ear to show it's your calf. Well, God marks out his people. God, God says, these are mine. They will be safe when judgment comes. It's a little bit like, do you remember in, in the book of Exodus when the, the plagues were threatened and the final plague was the death of the eldest son? But there was a way to be safe. If they marked the doorposts, if they put blood on the doorposts, they would be safe. If they took God at his word and trusted in the means of rescue available, that the lamb had died in the place of their eldest son, they would be safe through judgment. Well, recently we celebrated Pentecost. In fact, it was when we had the, the confirmation and we had that reading from Acts chapter 2. And we saw how the Holy Spirit is given to all those who truly repent and trust in the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, is like a seal marking you as one of God's people. God says, you're mine. He marks you with his Holy Spirit. How precious and how loving of God that he delays his judgment until all of his servants are sealed, are marked. Do you ever feel insignificant? Well, would you let these verses encourage you this morning? Do you see how significant you are that God would deliberately hold back his judgment until you're marked out? It's a bit like the film Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's, uh, you may have seen it, and if you haven't, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it. But the film title kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Private Ryan is saved by a group of soldiers. They, they're sent to go and save him. He's the only son surviving uh, of, uh, of a mother, and they, they, they go to save this man. But in the process, a number of soldiers lose their lives, including the captain. And he says, as he's dying... He says to Private Ryan, who he's just saved, he says, earn it, earn it. In other words, earn, earn what we've just done for you. And poor Private Ryan is left with this enormous burden the rest of his life. Have I done enough? And the film ends with him at the graveside of one of them saying, I hope I've done enough. He didn't know. He had this awful burden. But when Jesus Christ went on his rescue mission... His dying words were not earn it, but it is finished. The price is paid in full for you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. And the day that you believed that, the day that you turned to Jesus and repented of your sins and trusted him as your saviour, he marked you as one of yours. He gave you his Holy Spirit and said, mine, you're mine. Does that not give your life significance this morning? That he suspended his judgment until that time. Of course, if you're yet to make that step, do you see his patience? But he hasn't come yet. What are you waiting for? Well, who is sealed? Who is sealed? We're told 144,000 there in verse 4. Who are they? Well, there's a list of the tribes of Israel... But I wonder if you noticed anything strange about that list. Uh, if you were a Jewish reader, you probably would have spotted they're in a different order to usual. So Judah is actually the fourth-born son, but he's listed first. Why is that? Probably because that's the tribe that Jesus came from. Remember, Jesus is the Lion of Judah. 
the lamb who was slain. So that makes sense as to why Judah was there, but, but also if you knew your tribes of Israel, you'd spot this one missing. Dan is not there. Why isn't Dan there? Well, probably to serve as a warning, because Dan turned away from God to idols. You can read about the tribe of Dan in Judges chapter 18. They turned away from God to idols. They love this world more than God. And so maybe that's their missing as a, as a warning to us. That it's possible to be among the people of God, but not marked as safe. Is this number 144,000 a literal number? People get very excited about numbers in, in Revelation. Uh, and the Jehovah's Witnesses might tell you something about these numbers. But what does it mean, 144,000? Well, I think like most of the numbers in Revelation, it's symbolic. Like the 24 elders we saw, it's 12 times 12, which is the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles. And here it's multiplied by 1,000 to show completeness. All of them, all of God's people are here. How do we know it's not limited to 144,000? Well, because of what you see next. You see verse 9 at the start of the second reading. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. What does John see? He sees a number that no one can count, a huge number. It's a bit like back in Revelation 5. Do you remember John heard that there was a, a, a lion, a lion of Judah, but when he turns to look, he sees a lamb that was slain. He hears about a lion and he sees a, la a lamb, and they're the same person. And here it's the same group. He hears there's 144,000, and he sees a multitude that no one can count. A great number. Just as Jesus said in John 14, in my Father's house are many rooms, or mansions, depending on your translation. There's lots of room. Heaven will be fantastic. A huge crowd of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Black, Africans, Indians, South Americans, Ukrainians, Russians, Irish, even some English. Every tribe and language and nation are, are going to be there. People from all sorts of backgrounds. And notice what they're doing. We were told they were standing. This huge group of people are able to stand before Jesus. They're not ashamed. They don't have to hide. They don't have to call to the mountains and the rocks to fall on them. They're standing. And that was the question, wasn't it, that chapter 6 ended with. Who can stand? And here's the answer. It's this huge crowd from all sorts of backgrounds. A diverse, huge group of people standing. They're not ashamed. They're victorious. They're clothed in white and they're waving palm branches just as God's people did on the, at the Feasts of Tabernacles when they were on the way to the Promised Land and they, they remembered that time that God delivered them out of Egypt and brought them to the Promised Land. God had looked after them on the journey and now this huge crowd are celebrating and they are on their way to the Promised Land, to the new heaven and the new earth. God has kept them safe. His final judgment is coming. But they're safe. 
and the new heaven and the new earth. They're just around the corner. They can almost smell it. It's like when you're driving to the coast and you, and you say, I can see the sea. They can see it. They can see that it's not long now till the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be glorious. No wonder they're praising God for his salvation. A number of years ago, some friends of ours paid for us to have a holiday with them in Cornwall. And they paid for everything and they took us out for meals and, and we were so thankful. How much more grateful is this huge crowd? They are only enjoying heaven because of what God has done. He gets all the glory. He's paid in full. Do you see verse 10? They cry out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And even the angels join in praising God for what he's, what he's done. In verse 12 they say, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. God has made a way possible for sinful people to be kept safe through judgment. We get excited about all sorts of things, don't we? Good weather, maybe our sports team doing well, a, a wedding, a new car, a new tractor, a new re relationship, exams being over, maybe exam results. But are you excited about this? Everlasting life with God. I confess sometimes I'm not. And I think that the times I'm not is when I'm loving this world too much. When I'm thinking about this world too much. Do you ever find that? If that's why you're not excited about heaven, it may be because things are just too comfortable. And remember the people that he's writing to here in, in Revelation and Christians across the world today facing persecution. If you're not comfortable, you're going to see heaven as good news. But sometimes we get distracted by other things. God has done everything for us to be able to get through judgment and enjoy being with him forever. He's done everything so that when his judgment comes, we'll be able to stand. When that day comes, who is it that can stand? We're told it's a great crowd, but who are they? And that's the question that the elder asks John. Remember, this vision is the Apostle John, and he's asked by the elder in verse 13, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And John has to say, uh, I don't know. I don't know, he says, verse 14. But he says, sir, you know. Please, will you tell me? Who are they? Who are the ones that can stand on that day of judgment? This is really important for us to know, isn't it? Who is it that can, can stand? Well, we're told at the end of verse 14, it's the ones who've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? How can you wash something in blood and make it white? Do you remember, I don't know if you had it over here, but in England we used to have a, a washing powder called Daz. And Danny Baker used to do the adverts in the 90s and he'd go around with these challenges about making your whites whiter than white and he'd offer them to try this new powder and eventually they'd try it and it was just amazing. Would they take back their old powder even if they got two of them instead of the... No, they would not. Daz, whiter than white. Blood? I mean, how does blood make something white? 
How, how does that work? What, what does this mean? Well, it's picture language, isn't it? Like lots of revelation. The blood is the blood of the lamb who was slain and is now standing. It's the blood of Jesus. As we saw in chapter 3, whoever has opened the door to Jesus turned from their sin and invited Jesus into their life. Jesus comes in and eats with us. He has fellowship with us. He washes us clean so that there is nothing to be ashamed of. He clothes us in white because he's paid the price in full. He, he doesn't say earn it, he says it's done. It's finished. Be dressed in white. So no matter what you're facing, do you see the good news in this chapter? That Jesus can get you through to the shelter of God. We have that lovely picture in verse 15 of God sheltering them with his presence. The storm is over. The shelter is here. The ones that John was writing to had come through a great tribulation, persecution. Christians around the world today face great hardship. But the book of Revelation gives us the right perspective that God will take care of his people forever. He's even stopped his judgment so that they will all be sealed. And look at the comfort that he ends this chapter with. Verse 16. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You will never regret in eternity the sacrifices that you've made in following Jesus. You may miss out on things in this lifetime. In Eritrea, Christians are locked in shipping containers. They face the heat of the sun in the day, an African sun. They're locked in shipping containers facing that heat. They hunger and thirst, but it will not go on forever. Those who've locked them up will face the wrath of the Lamb, and those who've been locked up for following Jesus will be comforted, sheltered, the sun shall not strike them, and God will wipe away every tear. Chapter 6 ended with the question, who can stand? And the answer is given in this chapter, that God has deliberately delayed his judgment so that all who turn to Jesus Christ will be able to stand. And so if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ today, do you see the confidence and the joy that are yours? Even in the face of enormous challenges, you can know that you'll be safe forever. Amen. We're going to share in the bread and the wine now in remembrance of the Lamb's death for us, his blood shed for us, his body broken for us. For some, I'm aware it'll be the first time for you to take communion here. We've had confirmation recently, 
and uh, there'll be some who will be taking communion for the first time. And it's great, as we thought about in confirmation classes, to think as you're taking the communion, to look. Do you remember the four ways we talked about looking? That we look in, and we're going to do that now in the words of the confession. We look in and we see our sin, the times we've not gone God's way, and we say sorry. And we look back, we look back to the cross of Jesus, that place where he laid down his life so that you can be totally forgiven, clothed in white, and unashamed. And we look around and we see our family, those who've trusted in Jesus, brothers and sisters. And we look up, forward, to the time when Jesus Christ returns. We do this until he returns. So let's do that first thing together and join in the confession on page four. I'll read the words of introduction and then we'll join in the words of the confession. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace. Together we pray, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we've left undone. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Because Jesus said, it is finished, I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The service then moved into a time of Holy Communion, and so uh, I'll play you the final hymn now instead uh, over the podcast. And just to to let you know the notices for this week, uh, we've got In Touch happening on Thursday at uh, 3.30 to 5pm. And do please be praying for our holiday club this week as well, uh, for God to be at work in the young, young people's lives. So our final hymn is one that reminds us of that great love of God that means that those who trust in Jesus will be able to stand on that last day. How deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The father turns his face away as wounds which more the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold. 
his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom